Hello, 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 Dank Justice friends. We back. We are back. So we need to make sure that we are accurate and we are correct in what we are telling you. So the first thing that we definitely want to let you know is we had a few stoner moments. We did to clarify slash correct ourselves because we were really wrong. Yes. Awful. (laughs) Yes. So the Netflix documentary about DMT is called DMT, the spirit mod, the spirit molecule. So look that up on Netflix. It will give you a lot more information and probably a lot more accurate information than what I gave you about DMT. Also, in this upcoming episode, I made a comment about anemia and about it being the circulation of blood cells and the carrying of oxygen throughout the body, which causes coldness. I also want to make sure that we are clear that anemia can include blood loss. So endometriosis, very heavy periods, uh, lack of blood of red blood cell production, and also blood cell destruction due to other health conditions such as an enlarged or deceased or diseased spleen, sickle cell anemia, or a lack of certain enzymes. So we want to make sure that we're clear on everything and Though it's not just carrying oxygen throughout the body that's lacking that can cause the coldness. I did want to make it clear that we understood what anemia was and that wasn't the only issue and that wasn't the only thing that came with it. And we also want to make sure that you understand what anemia is as well. Exactly. And how it definitely could affect Elijah and everything that happened after his murder. So I also want to make sure that we are aware that at one point I said that Elijah's mom was trying to raise $5 million and that she had $200 million. Both my stones self and her sober self. Yay for numbers. I'm not good at them. Neither of us are. We did not catch that. What she is looking to raise is five million and she currently has two million. So we do want to make that clear that again we messed up and we numbers wanted. suck <laughs> and we always want to be accountable so thank you for listening to our sterner moments yes feel free to point out any others that you see please do it respectfully see hear listen to any others you find Um, Mm -hmm. Please do it respectfully, and we will be more than happy to correct ourselves. Yes. 
And if you have any concerns about anything that we said that you may feel is not researched enough or something like that, please let us know and we will make sure that we will look into it to the best of our abilities. If you hear something different, let us know. We'll look into it. Absolutely. So thank you so much for being at Stoner Moments and let's get on to the episode. See you for the next Stoner Moments. Other awesome announcement, which is not really a stoner moment mess up, but like a stony moment celebration. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts now. Yay! Uh, Find us on there, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Please like us, follow us, leave a review, rate us, all of it. That really helps us get the word out and share to more people. I know so many podcasts come out and say, like, subscribe, comment on Apple, but podcasts come from iPod. So this is the way we can become something that you can eventually maybe come see with live shows. Exactly. And it really helps all of the algorithms like if you follow us any interaction you do with our social media or Mm -hmm. our posts would really boost us to help help get us out to other people and that's what we want to do exactly we want to be able to spread drug crimes myths mysterious all of that mysterious they're now mysterious (laughs) so yes please 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 bi-weekly we'll be on apple make sure you share us with your friends do it Welcome to the Dink Justice Podcast. Join us for high adventures exploring true drug crimes, conspiracies, legends, and the murder surrounding them. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dink Justice. Welcome back. I'm excited for another episode. I am too. How has your week been? Have you had a good week so I've far? I've had a fantastic week. Good. Boyfriend and I went on a date last night. I got to do laundry today and we watched a movie today. It was really good. Yes. Laundry is the worst because it feels like it's never ending. Agreed. I worked and then came home and I took my trash out. I've done a lot of work. In research. I know you've been researching like crazy. I've been editing like crazy. I'm we, super excited for what we've been doing. Yes, we are so excited to get all of this out to you. And that being said, do we want to talk about our topic this week? Yes. Who are we talking about today? So 
since I am a Colorado girl, born and raised, um, I wanted to do a Colorado murder. And so the murders that I chose to do is something that maybe some people will not consider murder. It, it, it can be very controversial, but in my mind, it is definitely considered a murder done with a drug. Um, okay. Though it is not confirmed that it was done by this, but we'll get into that later. Okay. So what we are going into today is the murder of Elijah McClain. Ooh. Elijah McLean was born in Denver, Colorado, to a single mother of six children. Uh, she moved her children from Denver to Aurora, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver um, that if, if you live in Colorado now, you would definitely say that Aurora is basically Denver, but there was definitely a point where there was a separation. Yeah. Um, so she had moved her family there to try and avoid a lot of the gang violence that was going on in Denver. Okay. Um, Elijah was homeschooled as a child. And his mother said that she could tell from a very early age that he was gifted, but also very independent. He ended up getting his GED from the Emily Griffith Technical College. And during that time, he taught himself to play the violin and the guitar. He became a vegetarian and considered eating meat a form of cannibalism. Okay. At the age of 19, he actually became a massage therapist. And he was actually faster than a majority of his peers in receiving that certification. And he was hired on to Massage MV, which is a chain um, in Inglewood, Colorado. Okay. And by the time of his murder, he was working in Cherry Hills Village, which is actually considered the richest city in the United States. Jeez. I'm not surprised that Colorado holds that title. They seem to have quite a few cities that are. Oh, definitely. I mean, you look at Vail, you look at some of those other places. Exactly. As I had said before that on his lunch breaks, he would take his violin to different animal shelters, Elijah would, Mm -hmm. and play for the animals. He thought that it would help soothe them. He was described by multiple people, friends, family, co-workers, as a sweet and gentle young man. One of his co-workers, Eric Behrens, was quoted as saying, I don't even think he would set a mouse trap if there was a rodent problem. So, I mean, he was a sweet... He sounds sweet like a sweetheart. Yeah, and... Um, friends do talk that he was always a little different. He was a little unusual. When he would come into work in the mornings, he would be kind of humming and snapping. And it was like usually a Monday morning and it was almost annoying to some of his coworkers because it was like, oh, 
it's Monday. Really? How can you be so excited? And during his lunch breaks, he would work out, he'd jump rope, do handstands and push-ups in front of the massage envy that he worked at. <laughs> so, I mean, he was a quirky kid, like, Definitely awesome. that way. And at one point, he decided to kind of start running. Um, and when he started running, he ended up buying a runner's mask. Those are super nice. I have a runner's mask and I, I have enjoyed it even, even pre pandemic. Yeah. I prefer my runner's mask. Yeah. And so like, from what I understand about runner's masks, and I don't know a lot about them because I am not a runner. They're a little bit more breathable, but they also kind of like keep you warm and do some of those other things. They're kind of moisture wicking and some of those other aspects with it. Yes. And especially, especially in the cold, like as you're if you're running outside in the cold and you Mm -hmm. try to breathe in like just walking outside to your car in the cold like it hurts your lungs to breathe yeah so by wearing a runner's mask it it is it's moisture wicking and it kind of warms up the air as you breathe it in so it's not so harsh on your lungs okay yeah so that makes total total sense and it's interesting that you say like that he that it like kept you warm because his sister and multiple people said that he had anemia and anemia yeah it makes you really cold like you are cold most of the time like your blood cells are not moving as frequently and as much as they should so your circulation is poor which means that you are cold And so they said that a lot of the time he would wear the mask anyway, because it would help keep him warm. And one of his coworkers also said that he like suffered from social anxiety. It helped him kind of like have that gap with people in public. And that helping. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And as a, Girl that has social anxiety, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, I can totally understand wanting that whole gap. So now we move to the point of August 24th of 2019. And Elijah left his apartment and went to a nearby gas station to, pers- to purchase four cans of brisk iced for himself and his cousin um he was wearing his runner's mask uh long sleeve and pants which so growing up you know living in Colorado having that Colorado background in that Colorado thing it can get kind of chilly at night even in August like You know, that sun goes down, you've got some of that wind chill stuff, it can get chilly. And I cannot even imagine having anemia and dealing with some of that. So for me personally, that doesn't seem super unusual. No, definitely not. Especially I am somebody who is always cold. And like, I would be in 100 degree weather and I'd put a hoodie on, I'd wear a sweater, I'd wear long pants and have... Mm -hmm have no issues but I can see like 
I do know that other people would stare at me thinking I'm weird. And like, I even had a friend who like, I was wearing a, it was, I think it was like 98 degrees and we were going to go for a walk in the park and I was wearing jeans and a cute sweater. And she was like, you are making me hot. Look at you, looking at you. Will you, you've got to change because I'm going to have a heat show just (laughs) watching you. And so I can some people see. just run cold. Like yeah. that's just the way that they are. I say that so. as I have two blankets on. I was going to say, like, I've sat here and watched you put blankets on as we've been recording. Yeah. Um. So there's actually a video footage from the store. And really, it just looks like he is laughing, talking with the other patrons. Uh, the clerk even states that she never felt as though she was threatened or in danger, even though he was wearing the mask. That's such a different, you know, 2021 now, that's such a different time. Like everybody goes in with a mask. That's not an unusual thing. Like I, like I was, you know, I work in stores and I had a guy who had a mask that covered from his ears down, like his nose Mm -hmm. down all the way his ears. And he was wearing a baseball cap. So really all you could see were his eyes. And it was yeah. just fine. Like there was no issues over that. Exactly. It's such a different thing. Well, and there, I know that there was a concern um, that I had seen from my black friends on Facebook when some of the mask mandates were first started of the immediate discrimination of a black person in possibly a bandana because that's what they had available. In some kind of ski mask because of the racial profiling that comes with that. And that does definitely play. It's stated that he was on Colfax, which once again, Colorado, you know that Colfax is kind of the sketchy area. It's kind of the place where there are the prostitutes, there are the drug deals, some of those things. So the assumption that he was a poor black man living on Colfax is definitely, and I'm not saying that you made that assumption in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. I apologize if that was implied, but the fact that he was likely a poor black man on Colfax for sure played a role in, in the whole situation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know Um, that exact situation in any area mm -hmm. that is not, that is stricken with poverty plays a fact in situations. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I mean, even speaking on that, like even further, the whole reason that the police even showed up is because after he left, there was a phone call to 911 where and you can listen to the 911 call on YouTube and on multiple places because it is considered pu- public record. Yeah. Um, I am going to say it definitely sounds like a white man that calls 911 and says that he looked sketchy. He was throwing his arms around and wearing a mask. And friends believe that he was likely dancing. I don't understand. Maybe you can explain it to me, but I don't understand why throwing your arms around is such a big deal. Because they felt that it was a mental issue. 
that he was some having some kind of psychotic break. And I hadn't even thought of it in that way. Yeah. And I am Colfax is known for a homeless population. They are known for some of those things. (laughs) Therefore, it is possible that this person thought that this person was home, that Elijah was homeless. I don't think that that was necessarily the case. If you go back and listen to the 911 call, it it doesn't sound like they are concerned for Elijah's safety. It definitely sounds like they are concerned for the safety of himself or themselves. Yes, exactly. Which is, which is fair. If you feel like you're being immediately threatened, then definitely call 911 and say, Absolutely. yes, I am being immediately threatened. But if you see someone walking on the street, that's singing at the top of their lungs, they very much so may just have their headphones in. Totally a possibility. However, I have been, you know, I have lived in areas where it's, you know, the homeless population is incredibly large. I've, I've lived in, you know, right off of what I would consider Skid Row in a few different, a few Mm -hmm. different towns. And there are homeless people who you know, playing slight devil's advocate here, you know, there are homeless people who are having those mental breaks and who are, you know, now, now that you mentioned, you know, the, they're acting slightly erratic and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of crazy, but I, as somebody with mental health, with a mental health background, I see it as, I don't see it as them being a danger to me or to themselves unless they're right up in my space exactly and the difference is is if you approach it in a it was definitely more of a selfish reason he called than a exactly and so at that point three different police officers arrived and if you watch the video and i watched some of it and i couldn't watch a lot of it because it was very hard to watch they tell him to stop he doesn't stop initially. He takes a couple of steps and then he yells at him and he says, you need to stop. I have a right to detain you or something to that effect. And Elijah does stop and he takes his headphones out of his ears. Oh, so he probably didn't really hear it in the first part or didn't realize that's who he was being spoken or he was the one being spoken to. Yeah. And so I'm trying, I don't want to say the name of the police officers that frequently, but the names of the officers, because there is a point where it needs to be a little bit specified, are Nathan Woodyard, Jason Rosenblatt, and Ravi, and I'm sorry, Randy Rodima. So one of the officers claimed that Elijah reached for his gun and put him in what is called a cardioid hold. So the officer put him in this hold? Yes. Okay. One of the officers put him in this hold. So what that is, is when pressure is applied directly to the sides of someone's neck, it essentially cuts off blood flow and then can cause someone to pass out rather quickly. Oh, so it's like it's like a choke hold, essentially. Yes, exactly. They're a touch different... I know it's air versus blood. Yeah, I was going to say the biggest thing is it's air versus blood. It takes longer 
this is awful, but it takes longer to choke someone out with a chokehold than it does to make someone pass out with a cardioid hold. Yes. So this was done twice to Elijah. And at least one of those was successful, which means he was not unconscious. Yes. Jeez. At one point, it is heard from Elijah that he was turning off his music to hear them when the arrest started. That's heard on the body cam. So was there there ever a gun found on Elijah? No. And, And we'll get into that. Okay. It's also heard that the officers admitted that he had done absolutely nothing wrong prior to his arrest. So then why is he being detained? There, There is no reason. Elijah throws up at one point because it is due to his inability to breathe properly. Oh, poor Elijah. And he is actually heard on the cam telling the officers that he's sorry and won't do it again. He just couldn't breathe properly. And that's why he threw up. Another comment made by the officer is them telling him that if Elijah doesn't stop messing around, he's going to sick his police dog on him. I find that incredibly inappropriate. Exactly. At one point, those three officers pinned him to the ground. All keep three in of mind, them? all three of them. Keep in mind, Elijah is five six and weighs about a hundred and forty pounds. So he's he's my height. He's yeah. a tiny guy. Um. So at some point, uh, before he is. He's put onto the ambulance um, and he goes into cardiac arrest. Okay. So they did call um, an ambulance? So they did call an ambulance. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later, why that was not necessarily a good thing. Do we know at what point they called the ambulance? Probably after he threw up. I am not 100% sure. Okay. I was not, I'll be honest, I didn't necessarily look for that information. And okay. it's probably something I should have looked for. But I went down this rabbit hole and definitely. It, yeah. Okay. So um, that is something that we can definitely look into. We can put it on. Um, I can throw it in. Library. Yeah, we could throw it in library corner. We definitely can. Or whatever we want to call it. We'll figure it out. Um, So at some point he went into cardiac arrest. It's not 100% clear what caused the cardiac arrest. The autopsy, autopsy states that the cause of death is undetermined. When medical professionals did arrive, so the Aurora Fire Department, they did, quote, life-saving measures, including administering ketamine to calm him down. That's actually, administering ketamine is actually a procedure that's pretty common in the United States. Ketamine is definitely used in certain situations as a sedative, but... How the ketamine is used is why it is on our podcast. 
He went into cardiac arrest and he actually did pass away for the first time in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Wow. Three days later, he was pronounced brain dead and which was August 27th. And on the 30th of August, his family made the decision to take him off life support and he passed away. That is such an incredibly hard choice to make as a family. And I, I can't imagine having to make that choice. Agreed. As kind of previously stated, the autopsy published by the Aurora's, the Aurora coroner's office stated that the cause of death was undetermined. It said it could have been because of natural causes because he did have asthma or homicide from the carteroid hold that he was put in. At one point, it stated in the autopsy that the descendant was violently struggling with officers who were attempting to restrain him. It also said, according to Denver 7 ABC, most likely the descendant's physical extortions contributed to the death. It is unclear if the officer's actions contributed as well. Isn't it the decedent's? Oh, it is decedent. Did I say descendant? <laughs> well, shit. All right. I just need to take another hit and it'll be fine. All right. So according to certain reports, it also could have been the quote unquote, the therapeutic dose of ketamine that was given to him, which was about 500 milligrams. I was talking to one of my paramedic friends and he says ketamine typically comes in a vial Mm -hmm. and the vial is typically 500 milligrams. So that's an entire vial. The therapeutic dose of ketamine that was given to him, like you said, was a 500 milligrams. So this is legal to do in the state of Colorado because it's used when someone is considered in a state of excited delirium. According to Wikipedia, because yay Wikipedia, excited delirium is defined as a psychomotor agitation, delirium, and sweating. It can cause unexpected strength, high body temperature, as well as violence. All very common with this particular state. That being said... Excited delirium is not something that's recognized by the World Health Organization, the American Psychiatrist Association, or the American Medical Association, which means that it is also not included in what most people know as the DSMMD or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which basically means... Yeah, there's definitely not a medical diagnosis to it. So the United Kingdom uh, Independent Advisory Panel on Deaths in Custody, also known as the IAP, they suggest that the syndrome should be called Sudden Death in Restraint Syndrome, because they feel that that is more accurate because a majority of the deaths reported in this particular situation are often in restrained or attempted restraint situations. Eric Balaban of the American Civil Liberties Union argued in 2007 that the diagnosis served as a, quote, means of a 
of whitewashing what may be excessive use of force and inappropriate use of control techniques by officers during an arrest. In information from NBC, the usual dose of ketamine to be used in this particular situation, so for is five milligrams to every kilogram in weight. So one kilogram is approximately 2.05. Okay, so if Elijah's 140 pounds, then that means 317, 318? Yeah, like right around there. Okay, so that's a whole lot less than the 500. Oh, yes. So that means he was giving given 230. 30 milligrams more than his required dose. I guess, you know, playing devil's advocate of if he, you know, I haven't watched the body cam information. So if he is in this state of delirium, be it from the car ride hold or from vomiting or whatever, if he's trying to cope because of his social anxiety and expressing these things and is not able to tell the paramedics how much he weighs i know a lot of paramedics just approximate their somebody's weight say okay he looks like me probably about my height right around my weight okay so that would be this amount so is it possible that's that's something that could have happened i mean it's definitely possible but if you think about a whole vial being given to someone, like, I guess you approximate and like, I mean, it is definitely possible, but at one point, actually, during the, you can't see it, and you can kind of hear during the body cam. So the body cams get turned away. Okay. And in one point you hear one of the officers suggesting that they give him the 500 milligrams. Okay. And we talk about that a little later where the paramedic actually ends up getting in trouble because he doesn't do any of the necessary screening, any of the necessary conversation, any of that to verify that Elijah was actually in this excited delirium. He just takes the officer's word and administers the dose. And as I said, we talk about this a little later, but there's a point in the body cam, he hasn't moved or spoken in over a minute. So like I said, there there is definitely a possibility of it, but... The body cam and the audio that comes from the body cam definitely does not make any sense for that. And there's also a point where Elijah offers him, offers them his ID and his ID would have his weight on it. True. Or a very close approximation of his Exactly. And they don't take that. So nothing was ever conducted to verify anything about him. They simply said he's in a state of excited delirium, inject him with 500 milligrams of ketamine. And the Aurora Fire Department went, okay. So the body cam footage ends up not being released until about three months later. That's a long time. Exactly. And even then, 
most of the actual arrests is all audio because the body cams supposedly fall off during the arrest. All three body cams. That doesn't sound like a malfunction to me. Therefore, everything that the officers are telling them that show up and that the public is seeing is basically their word against Elijah's. Who can't speak for himself. Exactly. And so there is one point that the officers claim that they used the force that they did because Elijah supposedly reached for a gun. But you said they didn't ever find a gun. Exactly. So there was no gun, but the officers claimed that he reached for one of the officer's guns. Oh. And there's no way to prove that because none of the body cams show that. Jeez. It's also stated that on some of the audio, you can hear another officer telling other officers on the scene to turn the camera. So that's what happening cannot be seen. Wow. So according to the family's lawyer, the footage that she was able to see shows him basically just sitting on the ground, scared, confused, not really saying anything. The footage that that is dropped can be found online. I did watch some of it because I wanted to be genuine for the podcast, but I was very upset by it. And one of the biggest things is according to Wikipedia, these were Elijah's last words recorded by the body cam. I can't breathe. I have my ID right here. My name is Elijah McLean. That's my house. I was just going home. I'm an introvert. I'm just different. That's all. I'm so sorry. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. Why are you attacking me? I don't even kill flies. I don't eat meat, but I don't judge people. I don't judge people who do eat meat. Forgive me. All I was trying to do was become better. I will do it. I will do anything. Sacrifice my identity. I'll do it. You all are phenomenal. You are beautiful and I love you. Try to forgive me. I'm a mood Gemini. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Ow. That really hurt. You are very strong. Teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to do that. I just can't breathe correctly. And that last line is right after he vomits on the police officer that breaks my heart it gave gave me goosebumps even during all of this violence being being attacked he's still stating you know his love for them and how he forgives them and how he thinks they're great and are doing not at that moment but doing a job that is worth while yeah it's And it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear through the course and it's hard to hear the aftermath of this. Three major police departments in Colorado passed laws banning chokeholds in any situation. Lakewood, Aurora, and Denver. Colorado also had a police reform bill 
which banned the use of chokeholds statewide, including not using tear gas on protesters and included a measure of not using deadly force unless the officer was immediately in life-threatening danger, not just feeling threatened or unsafe, which is something that was okay previously. Um, This was actually considered a game-changing bill. This also includes mandatory body cams for all officers as soon as 2023 in the state of Colorado. It makes it so that other police officers have a mandatory obligation to intervene and report if they see another officer using unnecessary force on a suspect or on anyone. If they do not do so, and this is later found out, they can be terminated. I think that's amazing. It really is. It also dissolves qualified immunity, which is a very bizarre thing where basically police officers are considered immune from a lot of crimes if a police officer has not been charged with that crime previously. That's a very layman's term of it, but that's basically what it is. Interesting. So it dissolves that in civil cases, which makes it so that the officer or their employer has to pay whatever settlement may be decided upon and all of the attorney fees. The outline of that police reform bill is online. You can pull it up as a PDF if you want to sit there and go through it. I read some of it. It's pretty interesting. After Elijah's passing, the officers involved in Elijah's death were put on paid administrative leave. Which I think is pretty common in any sort of case like this. And it is, and it has a lot to do with the police unions, which we don't need to get into at this point. So when the autopsy by error was released, the district attorney basically stated that he didn't feel that the officers were unjustified in the force that they used in detaining Elijah, and all three officers were put back on duty. Wow. So Nick Metz, who was the Aurora City Police Chief at that time, stated that the officers' threats to Elijah were unprofessional and stated that they had addressed it with them in a written corrective action and that was the end of that it took until june of 2020 and all three officers were switched into what are considered non-enforcement duties which is basically they can't interact with the general public there are certain paperwork things they can't file there are certain things that they cannot do And it's interesting because they were not put on that administrative duty because of Elijah's murder. They were put on administrative duty because of fear for the officer's safety. Whoa, that confuses me a little bit. But I guess if they're stating that they didn't do anything wrong, then they obviously wouldn't move them to this position as a punishment for it. Exactly. And you have to remember too, at that point, Elijah's case was starting to get a lot more national coverage because of the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. 
So Metz, who was the former police, uh, chief of police, retired in 2019. He basically said that he had been burned out. He was tired of working in law enforcement. And he was replaced with an interim police chief, Vanessa Wilson. As I kind of said, this case was originally only reported on really locally. And after George Floyd was murdered, it became much more national. And it was at this point that a petition began in Colorado to go around calling for a deeper investigation and a different investigation into Elijah's case. So the DA that we talked about before, he basically came out and said he knew about the petition, but he wasn't going to open an investigation based on a petition because he would only reopen an investigation because of new evidence. I can understand that stance of I have to back the investigation and understanding that it was all good. So if there's new evidence, I'm happy to reopen it, but I can't do it just because of a petition. But at the same time, I can see why everyone would want a new investigation on it. Well, and to me, it feels like if you don't have anything to hide and you don't feel like anything was done incorrectly, do the investigation. But you also have to think of how much time and money would go into doing that investigation. That's fair. That's fair. Also, during the same kind of time period, three police officers were fired and one ended up resigning after they went to Elijah's memorial and took mocking pictures of his death. What? So basically, there were three officers, and they took a picture that depicted one of the officers doing the cardioid hold on Elijah right in front of his memorial. No. Yes. Of all of the officers involved in this particular situation, only one of them was one of the first three officers to respond to the call about Elijah was terminated and he was terminated because he responded to the photo sent to him in a text message and he responded ha ha but he also didn't report it which at that point was considered not okay so in June of 2020 three members of the Aurora City Public Safety Committee sent a letter to the city manager of Aurora, Wombly, requesting that an independent investigation be done into the death of Elijah. So initially, the person that was hired was a former police officer from the state of Connecticut and a current lawyer who consulted with agencies about use of force and other related policies. He consulted with the police about how to use force yeah that seems like there might still be a conflict exactly and so his contract was terminated and though things were delayed by covid in july a new independent task force was created to go over elijah's murder in that same month only a couple weeks after the request for an independent investigation Governor Polis, the Colorado governor, appointed a special prosecutor to look into the murder 
and even gave an executive order to the attorney, the attorney general, Phil Weiser, to investigate the police officers and possibly prosecute them. The findings of the independent review were released last month of this year, so February of 2021. The document was 157 pages long. It overall came to the conclusion that APD, or the Aurora Police Department, stretched the record to exonerate the author officers rather than present a neutral version of the fact. They went through body cam footage. They went through the 911 call. They did video interviews with the officers that were involved. All of the follow-up written notes, interviews, autopsy report, Elijah's medical records. And what they found was that the officers, Woodyard in particular, and that is the only reason why I said their names in the beginning, were very out of line. Absolutely they were. So they stated that they took what could have been a very civil uh, conversation and confrontation and made it violent very quickly. They found that there was no criminal reasons to stop Elijah. Therefore, the speed at which the officers accelerated everything was unnecessarily unnecessary. And there truly was no need for the pat-down search that they insisted that they give him. They also found that the amount of ketamine that he was injected with, as we spoke about kind of earlier, was a grossly inaccurate amount than what should have been used. Absolutely. Well, we we stated it was nearly almost double what he should have had. Yeah. And so the investigators stated that there was no attempt to learn his actual weight and that he hadn't moved or made any sounds in over a minute when the injection had been administered. The report itself also says that higher doses can carry a higher risk of sedation complications for which the team was clearly not prepared. So that it was also questioned why the paramedic just simply listened to the officer's diagnosis of excited delirium. I do understand that nine times out of 10, they hand the police officers just hand off the report and they let them know what goes on. But at the same time, if he had been sitting there when they administered it, not doing anything, then that means he was calm enough that they could have done an assessment of their own. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing for me is he was calm enough that they could have had a conversation with him it's not like he was still fighting the officers or running around he had been sitting there for over a minute without speech or movement and that's not being erratic exactly it also states that the aurora police department major crimes unit failed to look at the contradictions and ask basic questions about why the excessive force was used Uh, yeah that i feel like that should be that's to me that's investigating 101 why did you use this force exactly and so that following monday uh the city manager Quambly 
the following Monday from when this report was released? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, The city manager, Tom Lee, stated that he was looking forward to reviewing the findings, hearing the additional information and context before he would make any comment. As of now, I have been unable to find anything else about where this is going or anything like that. As I said, this report was just released in February. Which wasn't that long ago. Yeah, exactly. So it may possibly be still being discussed and reviewed thanks to COVID. Elijah's mom is quoted as telling CNN after all of these findings came out that it was overwhelming knowing my son was innocent the entire time and just waiting on the facts and proof of it. My son's name is cleared now. He's no longer labeled as a suspect. He is actually a victim. Goosebumps. Right. The family, Elijah's family, is suing the Aurora Police Department in civil court. As of August of 2020, they filed a lawsuit that alleges Aurora Police Department, quote, unconstitutional conduct on the night of August 24th, 2019 is part of a larger custom policy and custom policy and practice of racism and brutality as reflected by its conduct before and after its murder of Elijah McLean, a young black man. It is not only the officers involved in the murder, but Aurora Fire Rescue and those who participated in the photos that were mentioned earlier that have either been terminated or resigned. It also states that the officer's use of force was unwarranted, the ketamine use was unnecessary, And that, as we see so often, Elijah was a product of awful racist cops targeting of a black man. And simply because he happened to be a black man in a bad neighborhood. I also want to point out that they include the violence committed among peaceful protesters by the police and stated that the racial bias is even further shown in the lack of discipline and accountability of the officers that were held responsible. Exactly. Well, and we see that fall through in in many cases that police officers aren't being held responsible. And now, obviously, I'm not in their shoes. I'm not a police officer. I don't know how I would respond in that kind of situation. But we do see quite a few situations end up in incredible uses of violence. And they aren't being held responsible to explain why that violence was necessary. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, especially with Black men, is drugs or some kind of previous drug history that may or may not even be relevant. I know that this kind of branches out from us being drug crimes, uh, but I still think it's really important to talk about. This young man very well could have been killed by ketamine. He could have been killed by asthma. But what it really boils down to is had the police not gotten as violent as they had, As quickly as they had, this young violinist would still be alive. It may likely be a combination of things, but the ketamine and the chokehold did absolutely nothing to 
make it better or prevent it. And we may never know the full answer of how he passed away. But what we do know is that if you see something, say something. If you see an arrest going on and it's safe to do so, film it. Especially if it is someone who is a minority. It is completely legal for you to do so. Do not let any police officer tell you otherwise. If it's safe, ask the questions. Why are they being arrested? Why are you throwing them to the ground? What did they do deserve that deserves the handcuffs? That being said, I am moving on to our charity of the week. Yay! Yay! The first charity I do want to point out is Elijah's mother has made a GoFundMe page. She is currently looking to start a foundation in Elijah's name. The GoFundMe itself has already reached its goal, but Mm -hmm. I know that overall she was hoping to get up to $5 million. She has 200 by, she has a lot. She has about 200 million right now. But think about how cool it would be. So cool to reach 5 million. Exactly. Uh, She also is so constantly posting updates and other things about his case and the accountability of the officers on the page. I also want to talk about the ACLU or the American Civil Liberties Union, which most people have heard of, but a lot of people don't really understand what they do. So the ACLU works on a multitude of different missions, including rights for minorities, women's rights, juvenile justice, rights for those with disabilities, immigration rights. Um, One of the cool things about the ACLU is that you likely have one in your state. So you can make a donation directly to your state, which would help you community locally. I know that the ACLU in Nebraska actually did bail for a lot of people who were cattled and corralled during the Black Lives Matters. Black Lives Matters? Black Lives matter protests after the murder of George Floyd, um, where they were actually kind of more cattled and crowded into one area. And then they were arrested um, in Omaha. And a lot of the other ACLU branches paid bail for those people as well. It depleted a lot of funds. I'm sure a lot of people. Oh, yeah. It adds up. Yeah. And so they also use that money towards legal battles. So those that may not have been able to afford a lawyer during the protests or some of those other things. Um, They also do legal battles for protecting rights. Um, So they do... Legal battles um, on both a state and federal level. They also make trips and other things to speak with lawmakers to assure that our rights are still being protected. Um, According to the website, during the Trump administration, they filed over 246 lawsuits. That's a lot. Yeah. 
Um, so go check out the ACLU website, donate, volunteer, start a new career. Also check out Elijah's foundation on GoFundMe. Absolutely. Both are great charities. And like we've said before, if you aren't able to volunteer your time or have any money to spare, then share it share the pages send it out to your friends if it's something you believe in then you know getting the voice out there getting the word out there it makes a huge difference plays well into it yes a hundred percent and I mean even if you have the time to write to a senator or write to a local representative takes five minutes you know, you can say something to the effect of, hey, make sure you're looking out for this. So absolutely. Absolutely. Good your first heard. Well, that was that was a good I hate using the word story in this case, but that was I a know. good episode I about like Elijah it. McLean. May his soul rest in peace and his family get the justice they deserve. Exactly, exactly. And hopefully with every, you know, hopefully everyone takes a little bit of time to do a little bit of research and learn a bit. So we will see you all next time. Yes, we will. Don't forget to add us on Instagram at Dark Justice Podcast. Absolutely. Or on Twitter at not dark justice, dank justice. Oh shit. At dank justice podcast on Instagram and at dank justice on Twitter. You can also email us at dank justice podcast at gmail.com. Yes. If you have any suggestions for charities, if you have suggestions for conspiracies legends crimes anything we will be more than happy to accept them so or if you have any stories about those who have recovered or if you have any stories you want to share with or without names about drug crimes in your areas or that you may have been involved in we'd love to hear about them yes we would so definitely hit us up so one more time Hit us up at Dank Justice Podcast on Instagram, at Dank Justice Podcast on Twitter. Nope, just at Dank Justice on Twitter. Oh, it's not. Too many letters. (laughs) Too many characters. (laughs) All right, well, I just suck. And find us on social media. We connect it all. So if you find us on one, you'll find us on the rest. We'll also put it all down below. There, fair. In two weeks. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dang Justice. This episode was edited by Ketchup. Our logo was designed by Katie Did Doodles. Check out her Etsy. She does amazing custom work as well as art from pop culture. I personally love her Doctor Who works. I think they're absolutely beautiful. Let her know that we sent you. We also want to thank Goat for our name because we were both uncreative and he came up with this 
perfect name for our podcast. Thank you for listening and see you in two weeks. Hi. And try.